Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello there, Ashley Banfield here, and this is Rising Tide, the place where I bring some of the greatest mentor minds to you. If you care about your craft and you want to be better at what you do, I want to help you with that. You know, it's easy to assume that you need an Ivy League education to really make it big. But each month, I feature VIP mentors who are leaders in their industry, and they say, that's not true. They're going to prove to you that you don't have to have highbrow connections to create your own personal best. And they've agreed to share their tips, their secrets, and their career advice with you. This is Rising Tide. Welcome, my goodness. I love you to bits and you know that already. And I wish we could see each other in person because it's been way too long. I know. Me too. Me too. Hi, we everybody. Now have, we have now uh, over a hundred of our closest uh, friends and, and family now uh, who have joined us. Let me do a quick intro. Wow, hundred? We're well over that. Yeah. I'm, I, I can't see the numbers now, but uh-huh. You're a big, really important person. Oh, Didn't please. you know? <laughs> okay. I don't think so. so Savannah d- doesn't even need an introduction, but there's stuff that you might not know about her. Um, and uh, you should. So first of all, the like, hello, Captain Obvious. She's the co-anchor of the Today Show on NBC. She's also the chief legal correspondent for the network. She's been a host on Today since 2011. And Atlas, my golden doodle, will be accompanying me in the background while I do this. Her um, biggest interviews include Barack Obama and Donald Trump, uh, Hillary Clinton, Mark Zuckerberg, Meryl Streep, Jennifer Lopez, Beyonce, and that is just the tip of a very big iceberg. She's covered everything from elections to school shootings, from royal weddings to multiple Olympiads. She was the White House correspondent for NBC News, and she was an, a litigator In the Enron courtroom, I think that's the little detail not everybody would know. One of the more famous cases out there that us folks in the legal, um, you know, journalism community would remember. And then to find out while I was working with her at Court TV that she actually was one of the lawyers working on the case. I just, you know, you had me at Enron. Um, (laughs) Said no one ever. (laughs) Said no. Savannah is also a New York Times bestselling author of Dose children's books. She got her law degree from Georgetown University, so she's a pretty smart cookie. Um, And she was the top scorer on the Arizona bar exam back in 2002, which was something I didn't know until I read your bio. Good for you. Not a surprise in the least. So without uh, further ado, A, let me just say uh, it's great to see you. B, let me say as well that the turnout today is obvious because I think you're one of those people, Savannah, that um, you've got such a, a wonderful combination of wicked smats, but also just a, a very affable, self-effacing personality that lets everybody know uh, you're on their side. I'm wondering if you always knew that, if you curated it, if you work on that, or if you didn't have any clue. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh. I have no idea, but I do see a dear friend that I worked with like 25 years ago, Danny Harnden. Hi, Danny. We were, we used to work together. He was um, on sports and I was on the weekend anchor desk, but so I see waving? you, Danny. Is he's he waving. waving. I just saw him. Danny, yeah, has a, um, Danny has a question on the list too today. I say, so Danny's I'm... known me so long. I guess he could answer. I, I really have tried and always just tried for better for, I, I try to grow as a human but to be the same girl I always was in Tucson, Arizona, when Danny and I worked together. And I, I hope that he would say that, although I haven't seen Danny in 25 years, I guess, or 20. So anyway, yeah, I, well, I don't know. It's important that you say that. Cause I think that's one of the key lessons for people who are getting started in this business. Don't try to be something you're not try to um, accentuate all your positives and just run with those as fast as you can. Uh, but don't try to mimic other people. Don't try to be something else. It just isn't going to work. I honestly, unless you're Meryl Streep and there's only one of her, uh, it isn't going to work. Um, you will do far better just opening up your vulnerabilities and being who you are on the air, off the air, be the same person. And I think Savannah, you're a really great example of that. So uh, that's particularly one of the other reasons I'm thrilled that you're um, a mentor today. Shall I just jump right in with the question? Yeah, of course. Here we and go. I really get blabby, so just cut me off. We can get more <laughs> questions. I have time, so. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Okay. Um, Don Gelormino from Washington, D.C. asks, what stories really captivated you the most in the beginning of your career and why? Well, and Ashley knows this. I One of the first things that I was shocked at when I started reporting was how much I loved legal cases and how much I loved the law. And that honestly is one of the reasons I ended up going to law school is I covered a lot of court cases. It was the era in the 90s of, you know, the OJ trial and the William Kennedy Smith trial. And so people were seeing the inside of a courtroom on television the way we really hadn't seen before. Um, and so I, you know, being the nerd that I am, would watch a lot of that. And so I got interested not only in legal affairs, but also that at the same time I was an up and coming reporter. So I would raise my hand for those cases and, you know, be like, oh, I'll go down to the courthouse. And that really su surprised me. One of the funniest things is I, I was had a job interview for what ended up being my very first job. And they just were curious, like, what are you what are your interests? And when they said they were like, you know, do you like sports? Do you like, you know, the environment? Do you like this or that? And then they said, do you like the law? And I was like, oh, no, not that one. Which is so funny because I I never forgot that because I ended up not only loving to cover law, but actually loving it so much that I quit media and went to law school for three years and practiced as a lawyer. So that just goes to show you how much I knew myself at approximately 21 years old. Right. Well, and, and also that's so funny because what the very first uh, courtroom I ever walked into was as a reporter at CKY. I think I was all of 20 um, at CKY in Winnipeg, Canada. And I sat down. I don't remember what the case was. I, I have no idea. But it was the thing that, that hit me the hardest was that the judge actually stopped the proceedings and said, young lady, are you chewing gum? And I nearly, well, I did lose it. Um, and I was so chastened by it that I thought I will never do this again. Well, A, I'll never chew gum in public again, but um, but I don't ever want to be in a courtroom. And then look at us, you know, this is, this is kind of what we cut our teeth on is doing these legal cases. And I've been in a courtroom for 35 years since. So thank you for that. Um, okay, Bray Alvarado from Amarillo, Texas 
by the way, it wasn't bubble gum and I wasn't blowing bubbles or snapping it. It was like, you know, I had breath. It's important. It was Trident or something. Yeah. Minty. So I was kind of annoyed that I wasn't, you know, making any noise or anything. So, okay. Bray Alvarado from Amarillo, Texas asks, what is your best advice for women in this industry who aspire to learn, grow and gain experience? Um, and for every outlet in the TV news space. Well, I, I think my advice, I, um, I hope it's not um, disappointing. You know, my advice would be the same to women or men, honestly. I think that you have to be really curious. You have to be very substantive. You have to um, be incredibly precise and accurate. You, you know, to be in the news business, I, you know, I don't know a lot about our folks who are with us today, whether you're mid-career or you're just starting out, you know, I talk a lot oh. to interns who are starting out and I, you know, for them, I, I know they're kind of considering like, is this for me or is this not for me? And I really think, you know, I, I always emphasize how much you have to love the news. You have to love to write. You have to love to report. You have to be curious. This has to be your passion because, you know, many people get into this business, not many, but some aspire to this business. I think imagining that you know, so much of it, it has a certain glamour to it, or that you're on television all the time, and particularly in local news where I grew up, um, you know, you worked your little patoot off all day for five minutes on TV, if that, three, 30 seconds. So really, that part of it, yes, it's fun. We all love it, and there's nothing wrong with being a big old ham and wanting to be on television. You know, I've accepted that aspect of myself by this point in life, but you have to just the most important thing you're doing is, is being a journalist. And I, um, to me, it's, it's that, and it's also being open to all manner of experiences, even those that you really don't think that you desire. I mean, I joked about the law thing, but, you know, early in my career, I was in a local news, small station where it was a one man band. I had to learn to shoot and edit. I didn't want to learn to shoot and edit. Um, You know, I want, to be a reporter. I wanted to be on camera and blah, you know, do my thing. Um, I don't think until I did learn to shoot and edit, I was a very good writer for television. You know, I'd gone to school for print journalism and I'd always been a decent writer, but I, I don't think it all clicked for me until I was forced into learning this skill. And that's kind of my um, big, one of my big philosophies of life is that there's, there's nothing is wasted if you're determined to make use of that experience. Even like, you know, carrying a tripod (laughs) around or, you know, I think there's so much um, that we do in our jobs when we're out in the field, especially the people you meet as potential subjects or people you might interview or your coworkers and the different, you know, paths that you walk. All of that is valuable experience that you're bringing to bear. And if you are just determined to make use of it and make the best of it, it all can be filed away and come in handy for you in ways that can be really expect unexpected. So I think there's no wasted opportunity. Even I always tell our interns, like even just getting coffee or something, you just never know what you're learning if your eyes are peeled and your heart is open to learning and 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 tucking it in as, as something like, I don't know what this is teaching me, but it's going to teach me something. It'll teach you something. I'm going to give you a, an example of why that, a pragmatic example of covering a story and why what Savannah just said is Absolutely spot on. I'm doing the Idaho murder mystery, um, this terrible story of the, the four students who were killed in, in their beds in, in Idaho at University of Idaho. 
And um, every day we're trying to, you know, do an hour long special. That's a lot of content and trying to find new things um, on a story where the police aren't talking. So I called the photographer who's in the field. Now, I don't know a lot of anchors uh, who call the photographer to say, give me your thoughts. Give me your observations. Tell me what you see, what you're thinking, what you how are you feeling about the story that you're covering? And one of the things the photographer said was, um, I'm, I'm obviously I'm working hard and it's cold. And, and, um, but I, one eerie, eerie issue is that I see all their cars. Uh, they're all still parked out front here and, um, it's sad. And then I said, can you tell me the license plates where they're all from? And he did. And we were able to triangulate which cars belonged to which kid. One of them was brand new uh, Range Rover that one of the children had just bought because she was finishing college and was off to her career. Um, one of them was from Arizona uh, and one of the girls had a tie to Arizona. We were able to actually do good journalism based on a photographer's observations and his gut, how he was feeling. So what Savannah says is you don't know what experience is going to be the genesis of a great um, revelation, or at least something that other people will share with you. And so it's critical to always remember it's team sport and to love asking questions and, and finding details and then taking that detail and thinking about the detail. Uh, that will make you a really great journalist. It'll also make you a good human. <laughs> I think generally <laughs> speaking, it'll make you a good human too. Okay. Uh, Stephanie Haynes from Dallas, Texas says, would you recommend law school for current journalists who are seeking to become a justice or legal correspondent? Uh, this is such an interesting question. And I, um, I get asked this all the time and I try to give a really frank answer. Um, and, but also understanding that, you know, things have changed and times have changed certainly since I had this experience and I had this same decision before me. Um, but I'm going to take a position, you know, people like, you know, usually will say like, you should or you shouldn't. I don't know. Of course, I don't know anyone's particular situation. But generally speaking, I would say I, um, you don't necessarily need to be a lawyer to cover legal affairs and be a good journalist. Ashley Banfield, I believe, is a good example of that. You can specialize. You can have a passion. You can decide to learn a lot about something, and you don't have to go to law school. The re I listen. I I'm so I I can't bring myself to say I loved law school, but I am so grateful for that education and that background. But it's a long road. It's three years. It'll likely take you out of the profession for three years. Um, it's expensive. And unless you're, you know, I don't know, independently wealthy, I wasn't, I borrowed every time. Um, and then, you know, it also, once you're in law school, for better or for worse, there's a track and it very much, it's very easy to, for a variety of reasons, financial, or maybe you're interested, it's easy to like fall out of your journalism. And then the final thing is that, you know, you might come out with all that debt and all that, and, and it, it, might, it may or may not help you get uh, that legal affairs job you want to get in television. And it may or may not really, um, I don't know that the law degree that you invested yourself in is gonna get you more pay, for example. Like the job is probably gonna pay what it's gonna pay. So I, I don't know, I always think about really practical things like that um, because law school is a big 
big step. Now that's like the down, that's, I gave you the, the against law school kind of snapshot. I mean, the, here's the, why you should go if you can, or if you could go to like night school or you could keep one hand, like I part, um, my second and third year of law school, I somehow got myself to freelance at WRC in Washington, DC, the NBC, which was amazing because I had to have a job. So that was my part-time job. And was a lot of work, but it worked for me because I kind of had my foot in the door. And if you can get something like that going, you'll be exhausted, but it'll be worth it. But the great thing about being a lawyer is, and having that background, is that it's very relevant. And um, what lawyers and journalists do, it's there are parallels there that are extremely relevant. And so um, when you go to law school, you learn a lot about the world that's quite practical and you acquire information and um, a perspective that you don't realize you didn't have until you go. And then you're like, oh, that's why it says this on the back of my airline ticket. Oh, that's why this or that. So it actually just makes you a better reporter, whether you specialize or not. To me, it's so valuable in terms of the knowledge you acquire, in terms of the way you think. Certainly it has helped me so much in terms of, you know, asking um, doing interviews, especially difficult interviews and the way I try to like think through the issues. Um, so I find it to be completely valuable and relevant to journalism, but I, I always give the caveats because it is not a small step. It's not a small investment and it is not a guarantee. You know how, and you guys are, a lot of you are in this business. I see your backgrounds. It's like in news, it's Everything's really practical, which I've always liked because it seems sort of more egalitarian and democratic. It's like, you, I felt like newsrooms and news directors and producers, they're like less interested in your resume the way the legal career is like, oh, what were your grades? Oh, were you on law review? Oh, did you work at such and such law firm? It's all about pedigree. And I feel like in journalism, it's like, how are your clips? What did you do? How, what experience have you actually? And so... Those, those are kind of some of the considerations. I can't make up anyone's mind, but I hope that helped a little bit in terms of framing some of what the debate is. I think that's helpful. And, you know, NBC's chief legal correspondent for uh, 20 years, uh, Pete Williams, before he retired, he wasn't a lawyer and he was exquisite in the job. Um, Savannah, better I don't know. Better than a lawyer, I would say. What's that? I always said he was better than a lawyer. He's like, oh, <laughs> hey, yeah, a well, lawyer, but one that you could understand. Sure. And that's critical, right? Because you're not so arcane in your language and, and yeah. thought process. And honestly, uh, before I began working at Court TV, I just had a cursory view of what of how the law worked. But boy, did I ever get immersed in it. And I highly recommend that when Savannah's not on television or when I'm not on television, you should be watching Court TV because it will really, really give you a phenomenal grounding on uh, procedure. And criminal procedure is important. Uh, a lot of people get lost in a courtroom when they go in there as a journalist and they, they hear things happening and they're not exactly sure why. And they can actually misrepresent what's happened in court because they don't understand the procedure itself. But if you watch court TV for an hour or so uh, every other day, you would be amazed at, at how much you will actually learn about procedure. And since most of what we cover is criminal, uh, it's pretty helpful. That and never, ever try to get out of jury duty. Never, ever, ever try to get out and of jury duty. And don't chew gum. And don't chew gum. <laughs> Certainly not in Winnipeg. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. 
Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Okay, uh, Shannon Heggy from Providence, Rhode Island. Is that Shannon with the long blonde hair? Just wave if it's, yeah, there's Shannon. Okay, Shannon, did I just put your thumbs up if I pronounced your name right, Heggy? Ah, right on. Okay, good. All right, so Shannon says, hi, Savannah. I interned at Today back when Meredith Vieira was still there. It was uh-huh. one of the best experiences of my life. That's awesome. Uh, my question for you is, what is the key to a good interview? Have you found one strategy works best to garner the best answers and follow-up questions? Good question. Oh, great question. Well, uh, the general answer, because there's, we do so, especially on today, as you know, since you worked there, um, but the general answer is what is the key to a good interview? Preparation, just full stop preparation. And, um, and it really, I, the way I would answer that is different, whether it's like a celebrity interview um, or a politician or a newsmaker or someone who's, you know, it's in the Idaho murders case, a prosecutor in the, who's in the case, you know, it, it all, it, it all changes. But for me, preparation is, is the key. Um, and, you know, a lot it, it, to talk to, let's just take one example, like these, you know, interviews that are um, with a politician or a criminal defendant or a lawyer or something, you know, the may, the way I prepare in general is to, um, first of all, read as much as I possibly can about the case, the issue, the policy to go as deep as I possibly can. Um, and then also, if there's any, this really works for if you have a if you have politicians, um, you know, pr- transcripts, you know, hot tip, politicians tend to repeat themselves. <laughs> so you can figure out what they're going to say pretty easily, I would say, by just looking and looking at what they've said in the past recently. And a lot of times, actually, in our job, you might say, oh, my gosh, so-and-so was just on this all the Sunday shows yesterday. What the heck am I supposed to ask about? But I actually find reading those transcripts to be very valuable because I often um, see something where I'm like, oh, there's like a little sliver of a follow-up that didn't, ah, they didn't get pinned down on that. Or, you know, there's some daylight, there's some nuance here. So I think that's a a very important way of, um, of, of preparing for interviews. And that actually goes for celebrity type folks too, you know, read a profile. You know, let's say you're in local and, you know, it's, you're not covering something that's been written about 10 million times, you know, calling people. Yeah. I still do that actually for, especially for big interviews, like a a presidential interview. I read all that stuff. I do all that stuff, but then I start, I try to call people who are subject matter experts and whatever I want. I feel like we're going to talk a lot about hopefully nonpartisan if possible. And if they are partisan, then as long as I understand where they're coming from, that's okay. And and it's just for my background. It's just for information. I just ask them questions. What about this? Well, what's the argument to that? Well, how would you say this? And if if someone says this, then what's the follow-up there? And then the final thing I'll say, because I told you I blabbed too much, is that after I do all that research, after then I write out and make my plan for my, I write my questions and think about it. And this is really important. I think, I don't sure, I don't know what other people do, but this is important to me. I not only think about the questions I'm going to ask, I then imagine their answer. And because I've done all that research and study, I have a pretty good idea of how they might answer. And then I think about, well, 
because sometimes there's a variety or there's a possibility. There's always surprises. People always surprise you as human beings. Um, I try to think of the various ways. Well, if they said A, the follow-up would be B. And if they said B, then the follow-up would be D. And so for me, and I think this is where my legal background kind of comes in, although I don't know, maybe I'm like Carrie from Homeland and half insane, but I just like <laughs> see sets of arguments and counter arguments. And I sort of, if I've done it right and I've prepared enough and I've thought it through, then with any luck at all and the grace of God, like nothing is, when I get there, even a surprise isn't really a surprise because I've already thought about it. You know what I mean? It's like you don't freak out and get scared because you already imagined that exact scenario. That's if you have the luxury of time for preparing. For big interviews, you know, you you will get that. For most, you won't. But in terms of just aspirationally, that's the optimum. I would just add that that whole process looks a lot like anxiety. <laughs> it can be quite unpleasant. For me, I hate, I really, I really whip myself up into a frenzy. Listen, my husband's like, oh my God, just slide food under the door. She's in her process right now. Too funny. But, um, yeah. You know, I think it's wise though, because even if you're not, you know, writing the meticulous notes about if his answer is this, then ask him this. At yeah. least you mapped it out in your brain. And yeah, I don't write it out. I just think, yeah, that, your go-to that's why would I'm be. Saying it feels like anxiety. Yeah, but. But it is really smart. Uh, I think preparation is the key to everything. And so you're absolutely right. But then you you just hit on something important. If you have the luxury of time and so many on this call, uh, we uh, time is something we rarely get, especially if you're a live news anchor and you're doing breaking news. I think that's when you have to rely on your preparation for life and preparation for just being a well-read in, engaged person who gives a damn about what's happening around you, because then your gut is going to drive you and your mm -hmm. your intellectual curiosity will drive you and never ever deny your intellectual curiosity, right, Savannah? I mean, honestly, if you have the question that pops into your head, chances are that's what the viewers have as well. Yeah, and I think that's it comes over time where you can kind of trust your gut. But, you know, I know certainly when I was starting out for a long, long time, you know, I think you can, you were saying in the beginning, like be yourself, which of course everyone says that, but it's hard, especially in our business where we're starting out and you, I, I mean, for years, I don't even, if you play tapes of my early stuff, you wouldn't even recognize my voice. I sounded like I was 85 years old. I was trying to sound like Diane Sawyer because I hate it. I still hate my voice, by the way, but I, I just it. finally couldn't help. I mean, it was just like, well, this is what I have. Like, this is who I am. Or even just the way I even present myself now. It's not the way I wished I was. It's not, certainly not the way any most broadcasters were at that time. So I didn't really like my presentation, but in the end, it was really all I had. And so I think you just sort of have to just, you know, be yourself. And the reason I got on that tangent is to pick up on what you're saying. It's like, but also it takes confidence and time to trust your curiosity. You know, if I'm thinking that probably other people are and having, but also having that humility where, you know what, I just let me just ask this thing. Or sometimes when I'm as an anchor and I'm asking something that I know the reporter, you know, doesn't necessarily know is coming and maybe in a breaking news situation, it's like, I don't want to be a jerk. I'm not here to look good and make them look bad. That sucks. I'm just, I might say, I might be putting you on the spot here. Don't let me put you on the spot. You just got there. But 
is there any information about XYZ? You know, and most people can handle that. But what I'm trying to do is signpost to the audience that we're not catching anybody off guard here. You know, we're not trying to catch anyone off guard here that it's, you know, fresh and trying to say, you know, there may not be an answer and that's okay. And I think as a reporter, it's good to answer that way. I I can't tell you the number of times reporters would try to make up a story <laughs> instead of just saying, I don't know. Um, you know, it, we're natural communicators. Be, be natural and say, that's a great question. It's something we're working on getting, but the police haven't told us yet, or we yeah. can't find it. Anchors love hearing that's a great question. Yeah, they sure do, right? <laughs> it's like, it's that invisible stroke. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So Riley Phillips from Dayton, Ohio. This is a great one, uh, especially since, uh, well, you've changed your title. You're now Savannah under your name. It used to be- I didn't do kiss. anything. How funny. You did it? it? It magically changed. Oh, I like it oh, the same. That's spooky. But Riley's, Riley's the, Riley Phillips' question is, uh, this job can be difficult sometimes and requires a lot of sacrifice, missed holidays and events, moving away from family and friends. Do you have any advice or words of wisdom to help somebody keep going? Yes. And I mean, been there, done that for sure. You know, um, first of all, people, another way that people ask about this is by saying like, how do you keep a balance or, you know, work-life balance and that kind of thing. And I always just say like, I don't know that you, I don't know what that means. And I think over, I, there are seasons in life, you know, and over the seasons of life, you want to accomplish that balance, but some seasons are very work focused and some seasons are not, and you're able to focus more on your family and only you can know what you can handle. I have certainly been through that. I mean, all through my twenties and thirties, I mean, I poured myself into work. Um, I wanted to, you know, I had a lot of passion and excitement about that and I was single. So, you know, really it was that it was okay too. Um, you know, I don't, it would have, I'm not saying it's many, most people do it. It would have, it would have been so hard for me if I had had my kids at that time. And at that age, I was, I'm so blessed that I was able to have them later in life when by the time I was in this job, because even though it was exhausting, when you get up in the middle of the night and your day is often over by midday, you can see your kids, you know, you see them all the time. And so I was able to strike that balance, but I guess, um, to the question specifically, you know, to keep going, you just have to constantly be doing that gut check for yourself. Like, do I love this? Why am I doing this? Is it worth that sacrifice? You know, again, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'll just say it like family and your faith and your friends and your soul and your spirit, they are the most important thing in your life. Like, I'm just going to say it. They are the most important thing in your life. Um, but work and having a purpose is really important too. So only you can just be just, I would just, I guess, advise checking in with yourself all at all times about like, where's that standing for you? There came a time for me and um, I was at the White House. It was like 2008, 2009. I don't know, I had been there a couple of years and that pace was killing me and that stress was killing me. I didn't have, um, you know, I, had, I hadn't covered politics. I, I, I got hired by NBC as a general assignment person. Pete was there. They didn't need a legal correspondent. That was what I knew how to do. Um, and then they kind of threw me into politics right away, which was a compliment, you know, I, I, and I so appreciated that. But I was like deep in the deep, deep water 
like trying to, I knew nothing. I had no sources. I'd never covered Washington. And here I am even in the weekends at the white house. And then I got on, they sent me on the campaign trail and then I was promoted to the white house. And there I was, and this went on for years. Then they gave us a cable show and that was amazing. And, you know, it was just so wonderful to be on this trajectory, having worked 20 years to get there. But at the same time, it was kind of killing me. And for a long time, I, it was hard. And I finally had to work up the guts to ask my boss to come off the White House beats. And I knew in my heart that he was probably going to say, well, okay, Savannah, but we're, I guess we're, we're going to have to let you go. Like, that's the job you're hired for. And so I went in there to do that, um, hoping that wouldn't be what happened, but expecting that that was a reasonable response or like, well, who knows what happens to you. And instead, after I finally worked up the courage after like feeling that way for a long time, he actually was amazing and said, you know, I guess I, I, I'll be honest. I wish I was hoping that you'd be there longer. I wanted you to stay at the White House for the first full term, but I guess we're going to have to find something else that you'll for you to do. And um, which was amazing. And then what they found and what we found together was wonderful. I got to be the um, legal analyst for the show and they moved me to New York and I did then they put, there was an opening because Meredith was sleeping. And so there came and Anne came up and there was an opening on the nine o'clock hour. It was like all my dreams, you know, and sometimes you have to, isn't that strange? You know, it took so long. And I mean, I had a woman that worked with me at NBC who was sort of a deputy news president and I kind of confided her and she kept being like, you got to tell Capus, man, you got it. Like just, Cause I'm like, don't tell, I just, I, I hate, I don't want to be at the white house anymore, but she, he's not going to want me to, you know, and she's like, just tell him the truth, you know, tell him the truth. And then I finally did. And then this wonderful thing happened, which of course opened so many doors. So sorry for the long winded way, but oh, hopefully, I think it's important. hopefully will important. be relevant. This You have to check in with yourself and be honest with yourself and then take those chances sometimes, but be ready for what may come. You yeah, know? your authentic self doesn't just apply to on air, right? Your authentic self yeah. applies to how you communicate with the people you work with because yeah, otherwise and they're you're fooling everybody. You know, that was a, that's, there's a happy ending to that story. But like, you can't go in there and be like, you know, boss, I don't really want to work weekends and nights. Well, like who does, you know, <laughs> I, you know, that's why I was thought he'd be like, well, that's lovely. Bye. You know, <laughs> and it just was so wonderful that that didn't turn out and life can surprise you that way. But um, you still have to do the well, right Savannah, thing by you yourself. Were, you were being honest. You weren't being lazy. There, there's a big difference between being lazy and then being honest. And yeah. um, you you will know, folks, if you're being lazy and asking for something special when you really don't deserve it. Like, you'll know. And that check-in isn't, it's not a blanket statement for your career. Those seasons change sometimes within the day, you know? Yeah. So you do have to do those check-ins really regularly and assess whether what you're thinking or imagining or assessing or asking is really uh, legitimate, you know, um, but it will change with every dynamic. I, you, it's five minutes over. Can you take one more question though? Cause it's, yeah, of course. I'm enjoying oh, it. I'm, yeah, of course. I'm so glad because it's from Danny. <laughs> oh, Danny. Danny Harden Danny wave to everybody. So they know who you are. Danny. So Danny uh, is from Greensboro, North Carolina. He was co-anchor with Savannah in Tucson, Arizona. And um, so this is the first, he has two questions. The first one's a quick one. It's, um, do you owe your success to having worked with a certain sports caster in Tucson? Yes, yes. And, you know, I, that's a really untold story, but it's all because, it's all because of Dan Ryan. No, I'm just kidding. That was the other sports guy. 
<laughs> no, Danny Harnden was a joy. We had a lot of fun together. Didn't we, Danny? And your sweet wife and your kids. Mm. Danny was like a grown up when he had a wife and kids and was so sweet and they were so nurturing. And I was, I'm not that much younger than him, but I just didn't have as much going on as he did. <laughs> well, here's his, here's his actual uh, career question. And I think this is a really good one because uh, it's, it's kind of career, but it's also life. And it's also where we all are right now in this uh, American environment that we live in. Uh, so you know how people can have debates about sports teams and it can even get heated. For example, Savannah is an Arizona grad and I'm Arizona state, but afterwards you stay friends and everything's okay. Why is it not usually that way when people debate politics? Why do political conversations often turn personal and can lead to broken relationships? I think that applies to news as well because it can get catastrophic in, in news as well. I mean, what a wonderful question that I'm totally ill-equipped to answer, really. I mean, because it's like a really not, that's like a, not a news question. That's a life question and a culture question and society question. But I agree with the notion, the premise that's in the question is like, why can't we, I don't know if there were ever good old days. I mean, politics has always been really tough, but, you know, I really do miss those days where the fight was over marginal tax rates, you know, or like, should we put a bridge here or should we do a tunnel? You know, like we all have the same goal. We have a shared set of facts. We have a, essentially a shared set of values. And now we're just having a debate, an honest and intellectual and, and um, good faith debate over what is the best way to accomplish that. And, you know, this could go on and on about what is the source of the vitriol and um, really just the degradation of our, our conversation, our dialogue, our politics, it, it, it turns, it, it breaks my heart, honestly. And I don't enjoy being in it, that part of it, I have to say. And um, also one aspect of our current world, and especially with social media, is whether you are or you are not, you are attributed to be, by just by being a journalist, somehow a combatant in it. And somehow people all time. I cannot tell you how many assumptions are made one way or the other about me. It would crack you up, except for that it doesn't crack me up. It makes me sad. But people, uh, there would be, if you just had looked at like a, a Twitter feed or this or that, you would have people who were sure that I was either this party or that party based on the exact same thing, which is just like, I, I sometimes I just marvel at that. And so I don't know the answer. I find, I, I think we all have to look deeply. And whenever I'm like confronted with something like that and I too get discouraged and sort of shake my head at where things are, um, I know my own personal approach or aspiration is to look, always look inward at what I can do and what I can change. You know, sitting around and being like, I wish those people over there would be, why can't they understand? You know, I'm like, that's probably not how we're going to get anywhere. But me looking deeply at my own beliefs and questioning them and asking and opening and, and this is where journalism and I hope the law actually helped me intellectualize. Like, I wonder what they wonder what that position is. Like, if you really strongly held that position, what's animating that? Why do you think that way? I do. I think about that all the time. Um, my pastor at church did something interesting a couple of weeks ago. Like he said, when he, he encounters all different kinds of people, of course, and he says, sometimes he'll say, 
when someone has a big view or they're what this or that, he's, he says, tell me about the story. Tell me the story or tell me what, tell me what, what it is that came that, how, that got you to, to hold such a passionate belief. Like, di- like, tell me more about that. And I think, um, I I've been reflecting on that a lot. So I think opening our eyes and trying to understand, really trying to understand is just a valuable thing to do as a human being, I think would make us better journalists to try to understand. There's a lot of groupthink that happens wherever you are, whether you're in a Northeastern elite city or somewhere else. I've worked in them all. And, you know, I, uh, I, I think trying really hard to like get outside your own perspective is a great mental, professional, and spiritual exercise. It'll take everything from you, but it's really what is required, actually. It really is the job um, to me, is like thinking about all these different perspectives. And so I don't know if that answers your question. Right, the shared values too, because obviously, Danny, when you and uh, Savannah had your debate about your teams, you both (laughs) knew a hell of a lot more about each other that you liked than that one little nugget that you didn't. And if we as journalists can come at these stories, understanding that all these other people in the other group think have some spectacular aspects to them that you would probably really dig at a barbecue, um, that would probably change the language that you use in an intro. It will probably change how you lead into a soundbite it will do something there'll be some nuance like like savannah said some nuance will change and you will reach more people and endear yourself to a lot more people than you might otherwise if you just open your mind to all the good that we all have as opposed to the one or two bad things that some folks uh, hold over each other and i wish yeah and we all just add that like as journalists we have a real responsibility and opportunity to um um uh, you know, contribute to a more um, cooperative tone, you know, and I know I get it. I mean, as journalists, it's like part of it. We're always, we're not looking for the story where it's dog bites man. You're looking for man bites dog, you know, you, and it is our job to find you, you. We're not here to give a book report or read a press release. Our job is to find the news, to find the daylight between the position of Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy, you know, to find. So, so I understand that. But um, what you bring to that and the generosity you bring, the open-mindedness, um, that, is, that goes a long way. And that's our responsibility. And, you know, we're just, all of us, we're just one person. We're not going to hold back the tide of like this dynamic that Danny's identifying correctly, but we can all do our parts. And again, like anything, I always feel like it starts with us. That's starts with us. Yeah, and ask it's a yourself the, take your journalism and ask yourself the hard question. Yeah. And and know uh, that you're carrying a lot of weight on your shoulders. You're not just carrying a job. You have a huge responsibility that, you know, words matter. I hate to say, be so bland about that with that platitude, but but words are massive and they become more massive every day. So our job is huge. And if you're young and just getting started out, um, recognize that you've got to take it seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously, but you do have to take this job seriously. And how you write things, read it three times and make sure that you didn't, you know, have a tone that you didn't notice the first time you read it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Savannah. Don't forget, you can watch me every night on News Nation at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 Central, and 7 p.m. on the West Coast. Don't know where to watch us? Just go to www. 
joinnn.com. Enter your zip code and the channel finder will show you where you can find us on your broadcast dial. But don't forget, we're also on all the streamers, Hulu, Roku, YouTube TV. This is Ashley Banfield, and thanks so much for joining me for this edition of Rising Tide. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.